in this era where people are like wondering what's true, wondering what to believe, Ad Fontes seemed like a perfect, perfect name because it's, we're going to the source. Like how to analyze news by looking at the content itself. What we're not doing is looking at opinion polls. We're not asking consumers like, do you trust Fox News or do you trust MSNBC? Because the right. answers you get, they don't tell you about the content. What do they tell you about? They tell you about the person you're asking. This is Found in the Rockies, a podcast about the startup ecosystem and the Rocky Mountain region, the founders, funders, and contributors, and the stories of what they're building. I'm Les Craig from Next Frontier Capital, and on today's show, we have Vanessa Otero, who is the CEO and founder of Adfontes Media. Today, we're going to speak some Latin. And in some of the more exciting content, we'll be talking about news media bias and how Vanessa is using the media bias chart and Ad Fontes Media to help us all become better media consumers. Hi, Vanessa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Les. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. To start off, why don't you tell me a little bit about your personal story and your professional journey kind of leading up to the founding of Ad Fontes? Yeah, absolutely. So I live in Westminster, Broomfield area uh, in, here in Colorado. And I was practicing as a patent attorney at the time when I started Ad Fontes Media and when I first created the original media bias chart. So I sort of ended up here on accident. Uh, I didn't intend to go from this you know, patent lawyer career to a uh, startup founder of uh, a company that rates news sources, but this the whole journey kind of pulled me towards it. So I, I went to law school at the University of Denver. I went to the evening program. I had a was previously working in sales. I worked for about 10 years in sales, B2B, pharmaceutical, lots of different things. My undergrad is in English from UCLA, from California. And I, you know, when I moved out to Colorado, I decided I wanted to be a lawyer. And I uh, worked at a firm called Nugaborn O'Dowd. Some of your listeners may know it because it's a, uh, one of the premier IP law firms in Boulder, Colorado, and really enjoyed a great career and love my colleagues there. But I'm a news nerd, like sort of just a news junkie. I like news and politics and stuff. And I like to talk to my friends and family about about news and politics from time to time. And one of the things that really bothered me about how people would argue online, especially being like an English major and a lawyer, is people would use memes and like terrible arguments or terrible news sources to make their point. Like they'd say, well, I'm right about how Hillary Clinton is the devil or Donald Trump is a devil because of this. YouTube. I saw it in a meme. I saw it in a meme. <laughs> yeah. And, a, and I was like, this is how people make decisions. It's terrible. Yeah. And it's like, you know, short and pithy, you know, people like to share that kind of stuff. So I started, I wrote a blog uh, called All Generalizations Are False, breaking down memes. And so it was like a very ineffective way. Uh, you're writing 3,000 words about like why a meme that you shared is wrong. <laughs> you can imagine. <laughs> no one read this blog. <laughs> All right, so is that still, can we post the link for that? That's, that's sounds It redirects now to adfontesmedia.com. Okay. Oh, great. But we can, we can post that. We'll post yeah. that link to that. Yeah. So all generalizations yeah. are false. I love it. I thought I came up with it myself, but apparently like Mark Twain uh, said that. You're in good company. Because yeah. we're like in the same ether or whatever. <laughs> I was just floating around because it's like, 
if you think about that statement, that mm-hmm. statement is a generalization. So it that's what I was going to say. Like, was the blog a generalization? <laughs> exactly. So like that is false. Like so some yeah. generalizations are true. Yep. Right. So anyways, I had this blog that like four people would read and it, but when I was thinking about how people were fighting on the internet about the news sources and it, the toxicity just really seemed so dialed up in the 2016 election. I mean, way worse than it had been before. Just this conflagration of like all these news sources and, you know, Trump versus Hillary and social media and memes. And people were like losing family over this losing friends. I mean, the rate of like unfriending and like, don't even talk to me anymore. If you think this, you know, that really bothered me. Right. Sad. Super sad. I mean, like everyone's got a story, right. About somebody that they've lost or like just can't communicate with anymore. And that, I think that's devastating. I always thought like, you know, it has so much to do with the content that you consume, you know, your own like news bubble. You've heard the term filter bubbles before. And mm-hmm. I was thought, started thinking about my own news consumption. And I'm like, you know, I do kind of go to the same like three, four websites for news all every day, and the, including the opinion ones that I kind of like. And everyone's like that because how, you don't have time to read a thousand news sources. So I started thinking about how some of the, even the ones I consume, some are better, some are worse. You know, some are like real and fake. Some people like share totally fake fabricated stuff, but then other people share things that are just like really super opinionated and are not going to convince anybody. And I thought it would be helpful to diagram that on a visual chart because I'm a huge nerd. And so I would go home at night from my patent lawyer job and like, (laughs) <laughs> research the news, right? I would read a bunch of news sources that I was familiar with and some ones that I wasn't. And I decided to diagram this. Now, I am not a good drawer <laughs> of things. Like it's not my skill or forte. So you don't take courses in, in, in sketching and in, 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 in law school. You don't know, you don't no, do, you don't do none, any none of that. design. No. Okay. None of that. Just checking. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, I don't, I, it's still to this day, I'm like not very good at Photoshop at all. So I didn't even use Photoshop to create this first media bias chart. And the whole reason I created it, because it was, I just wanted to visually explain like on two dimensions, like some are, things are better and some things are okay and some things are worse, like top to bottom. And then some things are left and some things are right as far as the news sources you read. But then other stuff is like way the heck out there, like really extreme left and ex- extreme right. And I figured a visual would be a great way to explain to people because again, people like memes. People like infographics, right? But I didn't want it to be some stupid People like generalizations. (laughs) Right. And people like to share that kind of stuff. And I thought like, well, I don't want to be a, I don't want it to be a dumb meme. Like I want this to have some depth to it. So I really spent several weeks like analyzing stuff and coming up with like, what are these categories? And so I did this on Microsoft Visio, which is the computer program I use to do software patent drawings. You know, I create like block diagrams on there. I knew how to like create some blocks and that was about it. It was pretty ugly actually, but I I shared it uh, right before the election and I got like eight shares and I was like, wow, that's a lot. Like I have nothing I've shared has gotten Almost double digits. I almost, (laughs) nearly tens of people saw it. (laughs) But then... (laughs) 
a couple a couple of weeks later, like I was no social media maven. A friend of a friend saw it and shared it, but with like the public share setting, you know. And yep. he, I don't know this guy. He reached out and he's like, "I shared your thing. I don't know you, but it got like twenty thousand shares on my <laughs> Facebook page." I'm like, "Oh, wow, that's cool." So I'm like, "How did you do that?" And so I shared on my, and then it got like you know five thousand shares on my page, and then it yeah. like went all over the internet, like yeah. got five million views on Imgur. That's it's a very long story of like how this all sort of started. And I can go from there. I got plenty of stories from that point on, but such a Vanessa, such a fun story. I mean, from daylighting as a patent attorney to moonlighting as a uh-huh. uh, a news and politics junkie nerd, like so cool. <laughs> well, so what at what point did you say, you know what? Like this this day job thing is overrated. <laughs> I'm, I'm done with I'm done being a lawyer. I want to be a founder. I don't know if you know this, but like being a patent attorney is like a really good gig. Don't <laughs> tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> I really like that job. And I worked at the best firm, like to the point yep. where you know, the University of Denver, like career office, I would do like webinar sessions and like, you know, panels for them all the time about like, why it's so great to be a lawyer, because I had the greatest gig at Newborn, no doubt, you know, great lifestyle, you know, love the partners there. And you know, all your clients are happy because they're inventing stuff. And they pay their bills on time. It's amazing. I mean, it's yeah. like you're it's like you're the quarterback of like the Super Bowl, you know, the team that's in the Super Bowl. It's like, what? Like, why? How could you walk away from that? I know, know right? Um, <laughs> I, uh, the more I talk about it, right? <laughs> so yeah, I always loved, you know, being a part of the Denver Boulder startup community. And I always had the sense, like, I would love to I have this entrepreneurial spirit. Like, usually you're not in sales unless you like that kind of thing. And you know, I do like IP 101 sessions for, you know, accelerators and stuff around town. And I just, I really loved having a startups as clients and it would get to learn a lot about their businesses. And I didn't have a background in software, but, you know, I was, yeah, you know, I had a pretty general science background. I was pre-med when I was an English major, actually. So uh, I got to just work on a lot of different technology areas, meet a lot of different kind of clients. And so I just really love the the startup community. I was like, oh, if there's ever, you know, if I'm going to do anything else ever, like startups seem pretty fun. So over the, you know, this is end of 2016, this like media bias chart got like really popular. And then it just became this like all consuming like blog project and people would reach out to me for stuff. Like, can we use this? Like, can we print this with a license in our textbook? And I was like, sort of shocked by that because I was like, you know, this is like literally just me, right? Um, <laughs> and <laughs> But you were, you were like the authority for it because it was your, you created it, right? Which was like a little disturbing because I like <laughs> academic rigor and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I, think of myself as a pretty smart person but people would say like well isn't this chart biased because you're biased and i was like yes it, it is it's totally where you gotta biased. like put the chart on the chart almost yeah right? exactly it's kind of I meta. Mean, i'm like i would talk i'm like well here are my political leanings and like you got to take that into consideration and stuff but you know having you know, published some, you know, an article in a journal when I was in law school, I was like, I have an affinity for academic rigor. I like this. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. So I was like, how can I make this not biased or mitigate the bias? At least it can't be unbiased. And people would ask me for other things. Like your teacher would use this to teach in classrooms. People would come to our website and make comments about like, you know, can you add this new news source or what's the data behind this? And what's the methodology? Those are the questions I get over and over data methodology. Please add more news sources. 
gosh, this would be cool if this, this was an interactive media bias chart. Well, I'm like, okay, well, that just sounds expensive. So <laughs> over a couple of years, I came up, like I refined the methodology and I was like, how do I, would I train others to, to do this and like make it more rigorous? And like, what is the need here? Because the clearly there was some kind of need and I just had to figure mm-hmm. out what it was. And it's need for news ratings. Like we have like this, the 2016 media bias chart was like this, the most minimal viable product. If there's such thing as an MMVP, that was it. And it's, we have, we have ratings for a lot of other things, like including content ratings, like uh, mm-hmm. movie theaters, you know, it's PG 13 and R and so like, yeah. you just have a general sense of what you're walking into on some criteria before you do it. And then other stuff that you put into your body, like food, you have a nutrition label for that. Right. But, yeah, I love the analogy. It's great. It's it's really good. Yeah, yeah, I like to say junk food and junk news are very similar. And there used to be, you know, junk food caused a lot of health epidemics and a lot of a lot of problems that people didn't realize until we had more information like nutrition labels about what we're putting into our bodies. And now today we have like better choices. We haven't completely solved the problem of like junk food it's still out there, but we have a lot better options today. And but yep. there was a time before nutrition labels existed. Mm-hmm. So like we're in a similar kind of thing where there's a lot of junk news out there. There's just like your your YouTube links and stuff like that. That's like donuts and fries. Yeah, it's totally. And I you know, I would even say you know, you can't underestimate the the negative impact that that, that stuff has even more so than junk food, right? Yeah. I mean, when you talk about mental health, mm-hmm. when you talk about even the brain gut mm-hmm. connection, like mm-hmm. you get stressed out mm-hmm. and it leads to other behaviors. Like there's a, there's a, there's, I mean, we could, that could be a whole season of some, some other podcast. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is really, this is really important stuff for well being. Yeah. You know, I mean, at, at the highest level, you put it in your brain. I mean, this is the stuff that you put in your brain, the content you consume. I mean, how many books are, are there on like, you know, you are what your environment is and your mm-hmm. influences and stuff like that. And then we just sort of mindlessly consume this like news and news light content or opinion content or sometimes really out, like outrage content and without much thought about how it affects us. And that's got to shift. I mean, that especially with thousands and thousands of news sources out there, you know, people fall into, I mean, you've seen people get, angry and bitter over the years if they just listen to like angry talk radio right oh yeah it happens i mean it's like it's imagine just like putting the same thing into your head for three hours a day that's just uh it has an enormous effect on you and people don't think about it as much and the news you consume is often not by choice it's by Mm -hmm. either habit or algorithm yeesh Mm -hmm. that's scary you know you're not even making the choices for yourself yeah. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, well, we're going to talk more about that, uh, mm-hmm. some detail there, but I, I also want to kind of go back to just you as a founder. I mean, mm-hmm. what a, what a decision, what a, you know, just, just the brave mm-hmm. decision to, to, to go do this full time. Could you like, yeah. just tell our listeners a little bit about how that, how you calculated that? Uh, yeah. So, you know, I started, I formed Ad Fontes Media in February, 2018. Cause I was like, all right, there's a need here. I'm going to figure out what that is and how to like uh, monetize that. And although this is a, I made a decision at the beginning that this was going to be a public benefit corporation, which is a legal structure that people might be more familiar with B Corps. It's like the legal structure for a eventual B Corp. And it's for profit, but it has a stated public mission. And I wanted it to be for profit 
nonprofit because I knew I wanted to actually solve the problems in our media landscape. The two biggest ones, they're very related, are misinformation and extreme polarization. That's why there's like, there's two dimensions on the chart. There's reliability, vertical, and there's bias, horizontal. And uh, those problems are, they're different problems, but they're intertwined on so many levels. But to solve this problem, this couldn't be like some cute, like, you know, donation thing, you know, it, it couldn't be like, you know, it, it, it's a chart and that's neat, but like, how is this a business? How does it actually solve the problems? You know, right. what's the product, right? What's, what's the, the product? What solution are you delivering? Yeah. yeah. And if, if the need is news ratings, the product has to be some like data and news ratings. It's like, it can grow. And gosh, there's thousands and thousands of news sources out there and tens of, and millions of, pe- uh, tens of thousands, millions of pieces of content and more and more every day. How are we going to solve that problem? Like on the grand scale, if I want to, I wanted to rate all the news sources. So I was like, then we got to figure out how to grow this thing. Okay. Yeah. So uh, and what I if they had to be it. rated before they could be posted? Well, um, yeah, they, but that would be interesting. I mean, I don't yeah, know like, yeah, freedom of speech could, obviously, but like, but Oh yeah. Stuff, but. Like if, if your like editor was like, all right, let's run this through the rating system to make sure this like meets our bias and reliability thresholds one day. I like how you think less. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, well, yeah. let's not get ahead of ourselves. Well, but so, yeah. you know, I but you to, needed that kind of scale. You needed I, to be thinking about that kind of scale, right? Yeah. So this is like part-time, again, very good job as a patent lawyer. And my firm, I can't say enough good things about Craig Nugaborn, Sean O'Dowd, the uh, founding uh, partners of the Nugaborn O'Dowd, and all my great colleagues there. They knew I had this thing that I was getting uh, some notoriety. I was like mildly internet famous, which was like <laughs> a big deal. And you <laughs> would like talk to them about about it, and uh, so they knew were, I had. This was anybody making life. memes of about you? Or oh you... yes, <laughs> you know, I meme famous. <laughs> I get I get yelled at, but I've gotten yelled at by some interesting folks. So <laughs> on the well, left, well, we don't need to we don't need to yeah. talk about them today. <laughs> oh, you know, it, it comes with the territory. But they were really they knew I had this this thing on the side, and you know, I let them know I like started as a company, and you know, I was just g- gonna try to grow this. So over the next couple of years, I worked you know part time, you know, still maintaining my practice. The beginning of uh, 2020, I officially went part time with uh, Nugaborn O'Dowd. They they let me do that, which was you know really allowed me some space to work and grow. But at like towards the end, like, you know, end of summer 2020, it was getting to the point where like we were starting to have some like big commercial opportunities and the potential to like raise some funding and being a patent lawyer is a, you know, really hard job. And so balancing all those things was going to be untenable. So I talked to the partners again and, you know, they wanted me to like spread my wings and fly. So again, really grateful for that because look, I've got, you know, the, this uh, this career as a patent attorney, I really love, but I feel like I can like change the world in something that I'm really passionate about with this. And I had to do it. Like, I don't feel bad for myself, like, or like brave for taking a leap. I feel like of any person in the world, I have like the cushiest landing pad you could possibly imagine. And if I didn't do this, I'd be kind of squandering this opportunity and I'd be kind of an asshole for not doing it. Like I am in a great position. So, you know, I, I left uh, my firm at the end of uh, 2020 and we had, our, again, our first commercial opportunities and started raising some more uh, serious capital. And the first uh, capital we raised was from, well, in 2019, we had done like a little Indiegogo fundraiser, like 
Will people give us money for this interactive media bias? Did that you literally do an Indiegogo? I literally did. I literally did wow. an Indiegogo in wow. the end of 2019. We raised thirty-two thousand dollars in like two hey. months, and this was from like over five hundred people. But seventy-five percent of them, I did not know them. And I was like, okay, people do want this thing. So we hired our first, like our first analysts that were not me. We had 20 of them. I got a, I needed 20 analysts. I got 150 applications. Holy cow. And there were, what was the flavor? Like what kinds of, what kind of folks were, were applying or interested? A lot, a lot of the folks that are like my analysts now, teachers, mm-hmm. journalists, PhD students, uh, people who yep. have been in uh, public service and people who have been like, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, there's. There's you know a lot of folks who just like really care and are passionate about uh, the news, and I was like, we're not paying very much. It was like a six hundred dollars stipend or something for this initial project we were going to do. But again, one hundred fifty applications, and we we had like we're looking for reading comprehension skills and and political knowledge. Those are our primary two things, and but the backgrounds could be varied in in other ways. But political diversity and diversity across personal characteristics was really important. So we had to have left, right, and center analysts. And so mm-hmm. we had them fill out like uh, self-rating, you know, political view forms and, uh, you know, made sure that we had like age, gender, racial diversity, because uh, all that is important for mitigating the bias, right? Mm-hmm. By the way, I think that's something that's really, it's almost ironic, uh, but but it, but it makes, it's, it's very pragmatic at the same time. It's like, how do you create a non-biased approach mm-hmm. well you you have to fill out the bias spectrum mm-hmm. right basically mm-hmm. you have yeah. to get all the biased opinion mm-hmm. and if you get a if you get an equal or or sort of you know representative of of the entire spectrum then that's how you evaluate like effectively yeah. right yeah and you know it's uh of a lot of interest to folks, like how we actually rate this especially how we re- we rate news sources and you know today we have we have 35 analysts and they're all these backgrounds that I mentioned, like, you know, teachers, journalists, a lot of graduate students in our programs, like PhD students. And they're all like super sharp, really thoughtful, really care about our mission. They're like the best. They're the best. Like they give you, they give you like hope for what America could be because a left, a right and a center person sit on a shift in from all over the country for three hours at a time. And they read a bunch of news articles together. And they're about all the different political topics, including the most polarizing ones like Trump and race and abortion and everything. And, mm-hmm. but they have a, a methodology. We, like we have a methodology and a rubric and they're looking at specific factors. And the granularity of it is what allows for the mitigation of the bias. Because like, you know, it goes back to all generalizations are false, right? If you say mm-hmm. the media is this, like, what are you even talking about? The media is a, a big thing comprised of millions of the media is everything (laughs) this is we are the media right now you know but even if you talk about like the mainstream media okay who is that like you talk about you know fox or cnn or msnbc like each of those have like all the different shows and the personalities and they have different articles and stuff so you can have a per that you you have a left right center person they're looking at one article from cnn and it is a left-leaning opinion article and they all say that is a left-leaning opinion article and has this score. And they agree, right? Because they're looking at one article. Um, and then mm-hmm. they look at another article also from CNN. And this is a middle fact-reporting article. And they give it the same score, right? So yeah. you know, that's how we, we break it down to that level. Uh, and that's how we can mitigate by, by getting granular. That's how you got to do it. Mm-hmm. Cool. So I actually uh, want to shift gears a little bit. It's something I wanted to talk about at the very beginning, but man, we've got into a great, a great discussion. So I just let it kind of go. But yeah. I want to talk about 
the name. Mm-hmm. And, and before we do, I don't know if you know this or not, but about 20 years ago, I was quite the Latin scholar. So, oh. Yeah. yeah. So I, stud- I studied Latin in high school for three and a half years. So Excellent. I'm doing my best to impress Mr. Grieving, my high school Latin teacher okay. right now. But, so I'm going to try a translation here. So Fons, Fontis, uh, third declension, masculine, <laughs> and Fontes would be the dative case. Ad <laughs> would be the preposition too. So and it means fountain. Fountain is a translation. Mm-hmm. So to the fountain. Yes. How did I how did I do? Excellent. And you know what? You are a Latin nerd after my own heart. I'm so pleased. Oh man. I also Mr. Took, Grieving would be proud of he both would. of us. And yeah. you know, I I I've I've got to i I should run this by Dr. Leon, my Latin instructor. For, you know, there's only one Latin tr- instructor at the whole school, always, right? So Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I had from eighth grade to uh, seventh, actually seventh to eleventh grade, I took Latin. Wow! And, yeah, so it's love. I love you you could probably speak it by the time. Oh could. gosh! I, I could never. I could only read and write. That, that's usually pretty typical for Latin. <laughs> right, and yeah. you know, it's not the most useful. They t- t- they teach you that like Cassius has six pigs. You know, that's the kind of Latin <laughs> that you learn. Yeah. So ad fontes, as you know, it means to the fountain, or a less literal translation would be to the source. And when oh. I was coming up for, I didn't want to have the word news in the name. I just thought that was too like obvious. So, and I was, you know, you know, patents and trademarks, you know, so you get, have something that, distinctive. So add Fontes in the, in the Reformation and the Renaissance during both of those periods, it was sort of like a call to action during times where people were seeking the truth. And in the Reformation, that's, you know, it was ad fontes, like, go to the source, go to the text, which in that case was the Bible. Like, people didn't read before. They're like, read the Bible yourself to figure it out, figure out what's going on. Don't just listen to the church. In the Renaissance era, it was go back to the text, the classical text to figure out truth. And so in this era where people are like wondering what's true, wondering what to believe, ad fontes seemed like a perfect, uh, a perfect name because it's, we're going to the source, like how to analyze news by looking at the content itself. What we're not doing is looking at opinion polls. We're not asking consumers like, do you trust Fox News or do you trust MSNBC? Because the answers you get, they don't tell you about the content. What do they tell you about? They tell you about the person you're asking, right? right so half the right. people do because they're Democrats and half people don't because they're Republicans. Like that doesn't make any sense. What does the source say? So we go to the source. We do content analysis as our methodology. And and it's like the core of what we do. And that's why it's our name. That's brilliant. I love it. It's 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 perfect. You know, another interesting thing, like where what it calls to mind for me, I lived in Italy for two years mm-hmm. and you know, every Italian town, and pro- I mean, I imagine Roman towns were the same way, but they, they all have a fountain, mm-hmm. fa- lots of fountains. I mean, mm-hmm. Rome is the city of fountains, right? But the fountains were also places where people gathered. Mm-hmm. That's where the community came together mm-hmm. to announce things, talk about things. Mm-hmm. And like, what I think about is like, there's, that's unfortunately, today, there's so, uh, is so much of that missing. Like, mm-hmm. people aren't going to the fountain, like to the community mm-hmm. to identify, hear other opinions. It's like we hide behind this wall of mm-hmm. media mm-hmm. And, and whether it's social media or the internet or whatever mm-hmm. it is. But that, that's something that also comes to mind. I love that. Like, we need to get back out to the fountain a little bit. You, you know, know, I love that. I love that as an uh, alternate uh, explanation and meaning for you know, getting people out there and talking to each other. And, you know, when you see like our, the thing that gives me hope and optimism 
in the face of like reading all this like garbage, <laughs> you know, day in and day out, is like when you see our analysts, you know, coming together and like having these really reasoned and spirited discussions with each other and like, like full of respect and like willing to have their, you know, eyes open and their views challenged. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, when like that's, it's sort of hard, it's hard work and we're not used to doing that. But yeah, if we could do that more, we could solve one of the biggest problems with it, which is this extreme polarization and division. Mm-hmm. Is that part of, I mean, you know, when companies talk about like their big, hairy, audacious goal, mm-hmm. you know, or like, like the vision or the mission, like, is that, is that at all part of what you're doing, you're trying to do as a company? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I talked about, you know, this tearing people apart, like tearing people's families apart. That's real. You know, the, the people ask us a lot of questions. One of the questions they ask is like, how do you tell what's true in, in the news? Big answer to that, right? There's, you know, there's, a, there's a lot to that. The other one we get, which is like sort of that bothers me a lot, and we don't really have the answer to yet, is how do I reach my family member who's just gone off the deep end? Like I just mm-hmm. they they're just like have no bearing on like you know, reality, and it's sort of like you think of like twelve step programs for like addiction to yeah. uh, alcohol or drugs or gambling or that. Like you can get addicted to conspiracy theories and like fake news. And it, it really wraps people in and we don't have like a, there, there's, there aren't any proven methodologies for how to like have an intervention that's effective for right. that. So, you know, our mission, making news consumers smarter and making news media better, it's really about fixing the news ecosystem and yeah. about, about, you know, cleaning up a big mess, like solving the problems of misinformation and polarization. And that's a huge, huge problem. So, mm-hmm. you know, how I view our approach is like you can't just have one silver bullet to to solve these things. It's right. not like you can just say it's not like you can just say well the social media companies if we just had passed a law like fix section 230 of the Communications Decency Act and you know there would be less misinformation. Like that's just there's just so many barriers. It's a like, throwaway. It is. Yeah, it's a throwaway. It's, it's like you okay, you do that and then and now what other right. you know creepy monster, you know, develops. Yeah. There's like, it's such an intricate ecosystem with so many stakeholders and so many competing incentives. That's how it arose in the first place, right? You, yep. uh, Who are the stakeholders in the system? You have publishers, right? Publishers are in this new digital world. They got to get subscriptions. They got to have ad revenue, right? So might they use more clickbaity headlines? Yeah. Like uh, what, how do they solve for that? There's the social media companies, of course, but then there's also the advertisers that advertise on yeah. publishers. You know, they're money is funding good journalism and misinformation. They're funding fact reporting and they're funding like outrage content and often are not distinguishing between the two, right? The demise of local journalism is attributable to, in in part, and good journalism to the fact that like the way money flows to, uh, to advertisers isn't always in line with like how it should be. So uh, there's, and then there's educators, like how do we teach media literacy? And people can point to like, oh, we just need to teach more media literacy and that will solve the problem. But what about everyone who's like not in school or not gonna take a <laughs> class? Like right. they also right. need to know, you know, if the vaccines have 5G in them or not. Like, <laughs> and they, yeah. so there's all these stakeholders and what we view, we it's- view ours as a fundamental way to address the problems that various stakeholders have. 
For sure. It's like, you know, I go back to the Latin mythology of this. It's like the Hydra, you know, like yeah. all these different heads, you cut one off. Right. And it's like, well, then like three more grow in its place. Mm -hmm. It's a wicked complex space. So It is. I like, I, I like complex problems. That's why I became a patent lawyer. <laughs> then I found something even harder. The epitome of complexity. <laughs> I know. It's like uh, science lawyer. <laughs> so speaking, speaking of IP, how's, uh, do you got a good IP strategy for Advantes? I mean, like, is it locked down pretty good? Or I'd, what's, like to, what's your... I'd like to say so. Yeah. I mean, I jumped on that the patent thing pretty early. And, you know, yep. you know, copyrights and trademarks are certainly uh, a part of that strategy as well, because mm -hmm. yeah, the media bias chart is really uh, recognizable. <laughs> media bias. What? Yeah. It's a... Uh, that's what people just started calling it. I actually called it like a news quality chart to begin with, but people started oh, interesting. Aren't. Yeah. But yeah. What advice would you get? You know, it's rare that we have a, a, a former patent attorney on the podcast, but you're, you're unique because you're both a founder and a former patent attorney. What, what advice would you give to founders? Because this sometimes comes up. It's like, what should I do or what should I be thinking mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. at the earliest of stages yeah. when it comes to IP? Well, you know, this is a, it's a chicken and egg problem as is everything in being a startup, right? Like, which one do you do first? Like you need money to get patents and you need patents to get money. And, you know, the uh, same thing with customers and same thing with products and, and all that stuff. But I give the same advice I, I gave to my own clients when I was a patent attorney. Look, patents are expensive. Like there's, there's copyrights, there's trademarks and patents and like copyrights being the least expensive and trademarks and, and the most do it yourself. Trademarks being like the like middle, middle of the road, like you can DIY, but then you might run into trouble later, but you can figure it out. And it's like, those aren't as expensive. And patents are like, you don't want to do it yourself. Definitely don't do that. And they're expensive, right? Mm -hmm. So, but then there's like different, they protect different things. And, you know, if you've got, if you've got a method, you know, some, some software, um, hardware, you know, device, the app, you know, things that you need to protect the utility of, then you do want to seek out that that IP protection and you want to do it early as early on as possible. But if you're like really, really strapped for resources and you have to choose between like having a patent and having a product, you have to have a product, you know? Yeah. I mean, you have to build a product in a business. Like if you, I heard it explained to me like the best in, in this way. The best thing is if you have a patent and a product, right? And a business around mm -hmm. it. If you have a product, but no patent, you can still have a business. If you have a mm -hmm. patent, but no product, you don't have a business, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. and there are ways that you can, like some like lower cost ways that you can start protecting ideas like provisional patents are great. A provisional mm -hmm. patent application is like, like a placeholder uh, for a year that you can, you know, it's, it's lower cost, it's not examined by the patent office. You have a year to like really fully develop it out, but it gives you a, like a priority date, a filing date, because, you know, it, and and a patent a, a patent application is better is going to be better than an NDA for protecting uh, something that's truly uh, truly mm -hmm. unique and something that others would want, would want to copy. Very cool, great, great. Um, just oh, you know, opinion on that. So thank you for sharing. <laughs> This is not legal advice. Uh <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's why I said opinion. I, was, I almost said great advice. No, that Please was consult a qualified attorney. I yes, of course. But it's always great to share some best, 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 best practices. So yeah. yeah. What about on the back to the founder journey and kind of where you are today? I mean, mm -hmm. I, I've been impressed to just watch watch you as a founder, like what you've done, the traction you've gotten. Where are you today, and kind of what's what's going on? 
Yeah. So I mentioned that in the end of 2020, we started having some good commercial opportunities. So we had some good pilot programs and, you know, some like service contracts from like larger companies that were like, we want you to rate the news. And that was like a dream to me because when I first, when I first started my first pitch decks, you know, pre founding of the company for like what we we're going to do, I'd get to uh, this one slide and be like, and then people are going to pay us to rate the news. And then my friends and family are like, cool, who is going to pay you to rate the news? Who is they? I'm <laughs> like, I'm not sure, but someone, <laughs> someone will pay us to rate the news. They're out there. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't, we didn't, I, I didn't know at the time, but we had, you know, publishers and, you know, in schools and other like players in the media ecosystem, you know, paying us for our ratings and our data for the first time. And at that time we launched a, an equity crowdfunding round. And that's different from the Indiegogo, Indiegogo is like donations and for mugs and shirts and stuff. But a year later, we did equity crowdfunding through a platform called WeFunder. I don't know if equity crowdfunding is fairly new. You know, laws came out in 2016 to allow for it where you can advertise for your year round and you can, under Regulation CF, you can get investments from non-accredited investors as well as in, as accredited. Mm-hmm. And because it's new, you know, I think a lot of, even a lot of VCs now we'll look at it and be like, oh, I'm not so sure about that. You know, we, we don't know what for companies to do it that way. But for us, look, we're a company that's trying to do some good in the world. I'm a first time founder, a female, you know, it's raising money is hard, but we had mm-hmm. this advantage, which was like, people love us. A lot of people love us. And I had a big email list. So equity crowdfunding sounded like pretty appealing. And we raised, our goal was 250000 We raised 350000 which is like a good chunk of change. Yeah. We did that from like September it's to like about February. 50% oversubscribed, basically. Like, yeah. Like, and it, and awesome. it was on a safe, you know, and the, uh, the investors could come in for as little as $100, but we had some like substantial angel investors kicking, you know, 10, 20, $30,000 in that round too, you know? So at the beginning, we didn't know, you know, when I left my firm, I was like, let's see if we could do this for three months. And, and it, it worked out. We raised some money. After that, we uh, raised in another safe for uh, privately another $450,000. So we raised about 800 so far. And that's really carried us to where we are today. So we've been able to take those first initial commercial opportunities and turn it into like a recurring revenue model. It's, it's ratings as a service. It's Whoa. news ratings and our ratings data underlies like what we provide to folks, but we provide it in ways that are useful to them. So our mm-hmm. main markets are the advertising industry because customers that are you know, brands and agencies that want to use our data to do media planning. But within the uh, media industry, there's other players such as the, like the pipes of the system. You know, there's a lot of technology companies like DSPs and data platforms that have a lot of data on who to advertise to and where to advertise to, but they don't have this kind of data on news and news-like sources. So um, uh, we, in, we integrate it through an API into some of these platforms now. And so folks can like just buy our data sort of off like off the shelf as as is on a subscription basis. So the, what the media bias chart looks like today, if you go to our website, 
you go to our interactive we'll put, yeah we'll put the link yeah. we'll put the link in the notes so yeah so you can go to the website inter interactive media bias chart it's a free version and you can search for any of the 1400 plus news sources that we've got rated on there and it'll just like pop right up that's pay that the free version is paywalled so you know after like five per day you gotta pay for it in some way or another but it's like our our pro version for our our clients like our school and our business clients you can really see like all the different sources we've got on there and like un unlimited search and you know you can download the data and you can get it fed in through our api so it's wow. so these companies can use it in these in various different ways like uh, for example a school will use it for media literacy lessons like their whole library the librarian will, will buy mm -hmm. it and their teachers will have like media literacy lessons that we provide around like you know here's Comparing and contrasting a middle of the road story versus a really left leaning one and really light right leaning one. Because, because quite frankly, I mean, the way the news works, right? Like you could very easily like the same story is written by two different sources, mm -hmm. and and that's what they can. That's what you can rate it and they can compare yeah. the differences. Right? Yeah. yeah. And we, we actually have a new activity that we put out publicly now. It's called a topic of the week. And we'll do it. We started doing this initially for schools where we'll take like nine articles about the same general topic and from a bunch of different news sources and then uh, rate them on the, on the media bias chart and see how differently they're covered. Uh, but we, ultimately want students to be able to do this for themselves and individuals because, you know, we don't just want people to take our word for it. We want them to be able to discern this stuff for themselves. But we're here as a, as a service because, you know, not everybody has time to rate all the news themselves, but that's what we do. So that's why, like, when it comes to the volume, we have our eyes on this volume of, of news sources, and that's what's available through our data sets. So like someone can use it, like they can just visualize it on the chart and download our, our data and make decisions themselves. But it, where it's really powerful is in these, you know, ad tech data platforms where they can use it in like real time to make decisions on, you know, targeting certain uh, content and suppressing other content that's not aligned. Such a fascinating development. I mean, and I'm sure there'll be more to come just in terms of, you know, use cases, product market fit. Uh, mm -hmm. Really exciting, Vanessa. Yeah. What What do you What can you tell us about the future? What's ahead? Any Any surprises or reveals or anything exciting you want to share about the company coming up? Yeah, a couple of things. One, we just got featured as a, a one of the twenty two uh, startups to watch for twenty twenty two in Colorado. Wow! So, congrats. Yeah, amazing. Pretty, pretty excited about that. And I don't. You probably saw this, but this last last week there was some a study came out about Colorado being the top state for women founded companies in terms of like VC deals. And so I just yep. you know, feel really fortunate to be like be in Colorado at yep. this time where we are and we're raising a new round. So we are, we've got a, a series seed round to spur our next uh, stage of growth. It's a one and a half million dollar round and we're right in the middle of closing it. So we look forward to, to, to following and tracking and I'm sure, you know, stay tuned probably for that announcement. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're super excited about that. And uh, that's just going to allow us to, you know, grow our data sources so we can become more valuable and you know, grow our, we've got a lot of, as you can imagine, you know, product and you know, technology improvements to make and you know, go to market strategy to execute. You know, it's, I'm really like in the thick of this, you know, founder thing. So it's, it's quite the ride. Well, I, I got to say, you're 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 playing the part quite well. I mean, it's it's amazing to hear the story, Vanessa, and I mean, the journey is just just one of the more more inspiring ones that we've had on the show. So, thank you for for sharing. 
Well, thank you. I mean, really pleasure to talk to you about this. You can probably tell I love talking about my business. So I appreciate, <laughs> yeah. And what founder doesn't? You know, give a founder For a sure. microphone and you have to like wrestle it back. The best. Those are the best episodes. You know, yeah. Podcast is like, oh, so much better than a pitch. A pitch, you know, tell yeah. your story in five minutes. You're like, five minutes. Oh, <laughs> kill me. I mean, this is like, uh, it's torture to... <laughs> Try to distill everything down in a 10-slide deck. (laughs) Awesome. Well, great job on the show today. Thank you so much for being on. Could you please tell our audience where they can find you and Adfontes Media online? Yeah, just go to adfontesmedia.com. That's A-D-F-O-N-T-E-S-M-E-D-I-A.com. And then you just search for me, Vanessa Otero, on LinkedIn. I'm on there all the time. If you Google the media bias chart, you'll see you know, some imitators and and whatnot, but most of the stuff that comes up is us. So you can find your way just with media bias chart. Well, in the spirit of, of Latin nerds like ourselves out there, I think that is Finnis. Yep. And Carpe (laughs) Diem. Carpe Diem. There it is. (laughs) Thanks, Vanessa. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to our podcast page at nextfrontiercapital.com to get links and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop. We'll see you next time.